it's mainly been, you know, learning uh, as much as I can and, and, and then just kind of thinking about all the different scenarios and making the, the right decisions and choices as I move forward. You know, I, and, and another thing that I tell my team is, you know, the, the reputation is really everything in, in our business. And, you know, if, if you lose that, it's, it's extremely difficult to regain it. So, you know, are there some opportunities where, you know, we have to pass up on deals because it doesn't fit with our culture and, and how we want to live our lives? Yeah, I, I, I think there have been. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Placemaking Podcast. I am excited to share this next conversation with all of you today. Dak is the founder and president of Hatfield Advisors here in Fort Worth, Texas. Since forming Hatfield Advisors in late 2005, he has successfully developed, redeveloped, and repositioned properties all over the United States. He has over 20 years of professional experience in not only real estate investment, but property development and large-scale project management. He's been regarded as one of the most innovative and resourceful developers in the CRE industry by combining his deep technical expertise with a creative approach to maximizing value for his clients. The firm he works with, Hatfield Advisors, is a commercial real estate brokerage, development, and investment company. The company has development projects and investments throughout the U.S. and specializes in locating opportunities, comprising strategic development plans and structures, analyzing projects, and management throughout all stages of the development process. So in this episode, we are going to discuss how Dak got started in real estate development, certain hurdles he faced when developing his first property, his experience in working with historic tax credits here in Fort Worth's near Southside District, and tons of practical advice that you give others that are looking to get into real estate development themselves. As always, if you have enjoyed the show, Please subscribe to the show and share with your friends. I promise there will be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Dak. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, glad to have you on here. you got a really interesting past and, and you've got a lot of cool projects here in the Fort Worth area. And I really want to highlight some of those. So if you're ready, we'll just jump right in. Yeah, let's do it. So I've, I've read a lot about where you got started, but for all the listeners, give us a little bit about what your first job in real estate looked like and, and how that has changed over the years. Yeah, so um, I originally started at Bank One as a real estate analyst, and that was immediately after... I had uh, graduated from TCU. I got my uh, finance degree with a real estate emphasis. Uh, and then uh, shortly after Bank One, I went to Syntex. They had a multifamily division that uh, 
worked on projects in the DFW area as well as Florida and Minnesota. And that kind of got me into that developer role and really started, you know, understanding how that worked and, uh, and started falling in love with it, you know, after that. And what did that role look like? So there I was, uh, I was an assistant development manager and uh, I worked with a few guys that uh, had put this together. And so uh, it was a lot of spreadsheets, looking at financials and then going on site and working with, you know, architects. And uh, we had a general contracting division within Syntex that we were, that we use. And then we also had, you know, property management and, you know, all the engineers. And so it was, it was a good uh, learning experience for sure. Definitely. And then I've read that you, after, after that experience, you, you moved to Hawaii. Was that right after, or, or was there a, a little bit of a lag? Thing? Yeah. So well, I, had, I had an interesting opportunity. Yeah. I had an interesting opportunity to, uh, to start my own company. And, you know, at that time, uh, I really loved the path that I was going down with Syntax. And uh, however, I realized that there was uh, something in, in, inside of me that was innate that, um, you know, I, I wanted to start my own uh, company. And this was an opportunity to do that. And so I uh, went out to Hawaii, didn't really know what I was doing, who I was, uh, who I was supposed to talk to. And so there was a lot of, um, <laughs> there, there was a lot of education that I had to do. Um, but it was renovating uh, military uh, facilities, specifically their, uh, their dormitories. And that was in Guam and Japan and, and Korea. Uh, my uncle uh, had started a company in Washington, D.C. and gave me the idea to, to go out there to do this. So I'd spent some time with him uh, in advance and determined that it was something that I wanted to do. And, you know, at the time, um, my wife now and I decided to, to go out there and, uh, and it was a great experience. Um, it was very difficult for the first year or so before things really started picking up. You know, I, I really had to find out who I needed to talk to, to get some information so that then I could go talk to the, you know, directors of housing and, and, uh, you know, be able to, uh, speak their lingo and, and have, uh, some knowledge to be able to, uh, uh, to have some good discussions with them about what they needed. And, and, um, you know, as a young guy, you know, going out there, it was, uh, I had to overcome that. Right. So that just required me having, you know, a lot of knowledge to be able to, uh, to show them I knew what I was talking about. And then I had to perform once I got the opportunity. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty unique niche right there. I'm just curious, was that you say you renovated dormitories for, uh, was it to be repurposed for civilian use or what was the? No, they, the, so the military has a program that, uh, you know, that updates their uh, military dorms, their lodging facilities, their offices. And, and so it's, it's on a cycle and, you know, they, uh, they had they had this program that they initiated. I believe it was whenever Bill Clinton was president. So um, so it was more focused on the morale of the troops. And so you know if they if they have a nicer place that they're staying in instead of you know what you can think of back in the fifties whenever you had you know common uh, restrooms and latrines whatever uh, it was an opportunity to to come in and, and give them something that was a little bit nicer. Okay. And so as they were 
you know, cycling through those, uh, it was an opportunity for, you know, for companies like ours to, uh, to increase the, you know, the, the, the way of life for uh, these soldiers. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that's very unique. <laughs> and uh, how long did you do that? Uh, let's see, that was uh, three years. So I was out there for three years, um, sold that, came back to Fort Worth, uh, considered some other locations, but this was, you know, where I had a lot of friends. Uh, my wife had a lot of friends. Uh, we had family nearby. And so, you know, knowing that we wanted to start a family, we, uh, you know, came back here to Fort Worth, love Fort Worth, everything about it. Uh, it's the right size for us. And so it just made sense to come back. And that gave me the opportunity to get back into commercial real estate. And did you, when you came back, did you start off with your own own firm or did you start somewhere else first and then transition? Yeah, so I, so I came back, sure. So I, I came back and, you know, I still maintained um, a, a part of that company. So I still had some clients that I was, that I was helping in the, uh, in the military. And, uh, but, but with that, I, I joined a, a college friend and we worked on some projects together and, and, um, and we all ended up splitting. There was about five of us that ended up splitting uh, and going kind of our different ways. And I started a company called uh, Hatfield Advisors, formerly Hatfield Properties, but we changed it to Hatfield Advisors when we really started promoting the brokerage side. And uh, so throughout this whole experience, you went to school for finance. Did you anticipate going into real estate at that point? Or was this just kind of after college, you kind of fell in love with it? I guess what, what is your, yeah. where's your love affair? So my, my mother, yeah, my, my mother's got a commercial real estate company in Oklahoma City. Uh, and, you know, that had, uh, so I'd grown up around it. Um, I got my degree, uh, you know, at TCU in finance with real estate emphasis. And so, so I, I, I had determined that that was, you know, the path that I wanted to go down. Uh, but it wasn't until I really got into it to understand, you know, that I really enjoyed wearing a lot of different hats and, you know, commercial real estate, you know, brokerage and development and property management, um, you know, gives the opportunity to, uh, to do that. And that's, and that's fun. I, I enjoy working with a lot of different people. I enjoy solving problems and, you know, that's, and so I've fallen in love with it. Was there some, some moment in time that just where it clicked and this is, this is me, this is it, this is my calling or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, I'll, I'll tell you the first, you know, the first development, uh, there was, there was a few that I had done before, but the first development that really just kind of clicked to where I, I really started honing in was um, a historic renovation that we did just South of downtown. And uh, it was a building that was built in 1913. And we, we took this on because it was in an area that was uh, just south of, of downtown, um, but it was in close proximity to I-35, I-30. It had an economic engine in the hospital system that brings over 30,000 people into the area every day. Uh, had a, a TIF, a tax increment financing district. So it, it really had all the ingredients that, that I was looking for. And this, this building in particular um, had these really cool fire doors on the third floor. And so we integrated, we integrated those doors into the, the floor plans of these apartments that we built. 
So we had a bar and offices uh, down below, and then we had uh, 23 loft units up above. And just getting the opportunity to see a building like that come back to life and use the character that um, you know that it was that was originally intended for that building was was just fun. It was it was a great time, and uh, you know seeing you know what it looks like now just uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, and you said that wasn't your first deal, right? That was a few down the road. Yeah, there was a couple other ones that um, you know I had. Uh, been involved in um, that, you know, were office, um, retail, um, but that was the first one. And that area is really what, you know, made me focus on uh, those types of projects and in that specific area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys have uh, quite a bit going on in the uh, near south side area here at Fort Worth. And I guess, tell me, what what draws you to that area? You mentioned the TIF, right, and the potential for tax credits. But what else about that area draws you to it from a uh, from a development standpoint or uh, from a brokerage standpoint? Sure. So, you know the the people that are here. Well, specifically Fort Worth. Um, you know, Fort Worth just has a great feel. You know, I don't know what the right word would be but you know it's it's got a culture that you know everybody wants to you know be friendly they um you know they help people out and it's something that is hard to find in a city this large you know i believe that we just became the 13th largest city in the nation and 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 this area that's this here it's called the near south side so this area that's that's south of downtown has you know really become a, a good uh, spot for entrepreneurs to flourish, uh, for mom and pop restaurants and 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 bars and and uh, retailers uh, to come and and obviously you know some of them have been hit by the you know COVID nineteen uh, situation and we've been working through that with you know several of our uh, of our tenants and clients but you know it has a, a unique um, you know, character that just can't be replicated. Mm -hmm. So I've actually had Mike Britton on here previously and <laughs> he is, he loves the near South side and, um, you know, he, he brought up so many good points about, you know, being downtown adjacent and the zoning uh, that he's worked on with uh, the near South side and, and all those attributing success of uh, that area. Um, and I think to go along with it, the, the people are so supportive, like you're saying that uh, they wanna see small businesses flourish and everything. So that, that probably lends well to, you know, not only your business, but you know, the, the people that you represent as well. So talked about that deal there with the, the bar retail and then the loft units above. What did that look like from, I guess, did you handle just the development or was this a deal where you worked on several different aspects? Yeah. So, so that, that particular project, um, it was, yeah, not only development, it was the, um, you know, investors, it was working with the bank. Um, you know, the general contractor to make sure that, you know, things were, 
um, we're, we're going smoothly the way that we want them to go. And, and you know, with, with that building, you know, learning, you know, how those, uh, and, and, and also historic tax credits. So that was also another uh, avenue that, you know, I hadn't um, really understood uh, prior to that project and understanding how that works uh, has benefited me going forward. I mean, we've, we've done several historic, you know, tax credit projects, um, both federal and state. And, you know, that experience allowed me to do, um, you know, several other buildings and the historic tax credit has been a, you know, an interesting, you know, incentive that was helpful back then because, you know, this was what, 2010, which was, you know, immediately after the great recession. And so there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, debt and equity that was, uh, that was prevalent. So, mm -hmm. you know, having, you know, this, this tax credit and, and partners uh, that we were working with at the time, you know, allowed for there to be a, a bridge, so to speak, to that equity gap that we had. Interesting. So you learned a lot on that project. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> What other interesting things happen, lessons learned from a building of that age? There's a lot that yeah. goes along with that. Sure. So, so anytime, you know, you're, you're doing a historic renovation, you're always going to run into something and, you know, you, you may expect something to, to be there and it's not, or, you know, you may run into some ADA issues. Uh, you may run into some, some issues with, you know, city inspectors that hadn't, you know, seen something a particular way and um, you know so so it does bring on some additional challenges in some cases but you know but to me it becomes worth it because you've got this building that can't be replicated you've, you've brought it up to date you've you know you've got now restaurants and and retailers and people living in it that you know really enjoy that field definitely uh, is there a story behind that building that you know of or was it just an old building in the old part of town. Is the well, I mean, it was originally, you know, it was originally built for storing furs uh, and documents um, from people in downtown. And um, you know, it was immediately after a fire that had occurred in 1910 in that area. It, it was built to house, you know, those items so that they wouldn't uh, burn. So it was one of the first fireproof buildings uh, that was built shortly after uh, that 1910 fire in Fort Worth. Huh. Do you think those kind of stories help to help you in, in the brokerage side when you're trying to find tenants or, or, you know, that kind of thing? Does that, does that kind of story help to sell? You know, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I love those historic stories. I mean, anytime you have, you know, some history, you know, behind a building that, that you can uncover during that process, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always neat to have that, um, you know, does it help perhaps, you know, there's also, you know, buildings around that people may say there's ghosts or what have you. I, I don't know. Um, that's, <laughs> but no, I don't think that it's, uh, yeah, I think that the building speaks for itself and all the other buildings that we've done. As a matter of fact, we've got one right now that we're doing on South main street that was an old car dealership. And so, you know, whenever you go back to 1920, and you see what kind of vehicles they were selling at that time, these Franklin automobiles, it's, it is really cool to, to be able to, you know, look back and understand that this is what they were using it for then. And since it's been some other things, but 
you know, knowing what that building was originally intended for is, is, uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So going back to just getting out of school there at TCU, what, what's one thing you wish somebody had told you about real estate before you really got into, uh, before you really got into the field? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll tell you one thing that I've, I've really recognized over the years and it's that, you know, how time can fill deals. So, you know, I've mentioned inspectors earlier, uh, you know, you've got inspectors that, you know, they seem to find the smallest nuance and, and make a, a big deal out of, out of, uh, out of those at times. But, you know, and I realize that they're doing everything by the book and I don't fault them for that, but, you know, I don't know that they really understand that a 45 day pause for a minor item because, you know, a lot on my side with delayed construction, carrying costs, lost rent, you know, same thing applies to, you know, general contractor, you know, if you lose momentum on a project that can, you know, domino into a lot, you know, lost time and money, you know, whenever I was starting, I didn't have the luxury of hiring a quality contractor and, you know, still being able to make those numbers work. So uh, ended up spending more time on site than I'd anticipated which in a lot of cases ended up being, you know, worth it for me. But, you know, I realized that I needed a good team, you know, bankers, attorneys, partners, you know, so it took a little while to, to get that set up, but, you know, having a good team was, was pretty important. Right. It can help move things along schedule wise, but yeah, there's always those outside nuances such as, uh, like you said, the inspectors shipping issues uh, uh, during construction. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, but yeah, time is money. Yeah. And, and, and the same thing Matt, you know, applies with, uh, you know, uh, leasing and sales, you know, so if you've got, uh, you know, a deal that you're, that you're working on and, and, you know, you decide to take your foot off the gas and, and, you know, it just kind of opens up a lot of other variables that can come into play and potentially kill the deal. So, you know, I, I, I tell, you know, our team, you know, not to, you know, not, not to allow that happen. Try to keep your foot on the gas and, you know, make sure that you're not giving opportunities for the deal to fall apart. Good point. So some of the resources that have helped people along the way that I often hear are like books or mentors or uh, just other information sources. Are there any particular ones that you would basically point to and say, yeah, this is, this has helped me out throughout this whole, your whole journey you know, I, I've spent, you know, like I'd mentioned, my mother has a real estate company in Oklahoma City. I've, I've talked to her at times, but, you know, mainly it's been, you know, really educating myself on the market, educating myself on, you know, what's happening, you know, in other cities, what's happening globally, um, what's happening in, you know, specific industries so that I can tailor, you know, what, what we're doing, you know, as, as things change. And so, Reading up on on things has really been, uh, you know, a pretty big deal, you know, for me. I try to stay on top of of all the things that are going on as much as I can, and you know, I try to be as efficient as possible. And you know, th I I think that that's probably been the the number one thing that's that's been helpful. It's just been you know talking to you know friends, other brokers, and you know just kind of staying up on top of um, you know what's happening in the industry. Is there any certain publications that you follow or is it mostly just uh, hearsay from other, other professionals in the area? You know, I mean, fourth business press is, is one star telegram is one. So those are good, you know, local ones you've got, I mean, you know, CoStar comes out with, with things. So we've, you know, that's, that's helpful, but 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think talking to other brokers is probably the, the most important uh, way to get information in what we do. Gotcha. So uh, you mentioned your, your mother. Is there any other mentors or, or people along the way that have uh, kind of helped you out? Or is it mostly you just learning from, from previous projects and, and kind of moving forward? That's predominantly what it's been. Um, yeah. My wife will tell you that she's been a major influence <laughs> in, <laughs> in, uh, in what I've been doing, which is correct. I mean, so she's she's been extremely helpful and, you know, gives me a different perspective perspective that's that helps me you know to make decisions and you know but but yeah it's, it's mainly been you know learning uh, as much as I can and 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 then just kind of thinking about all the different scenarios and making the the right decisions and choices as I move forward you know I, and, and another thing that I tell my team is you know the, the reputation is really everything in, in our business and you know if, if you lose that it's it's extremely difficult to regain it so you know are there some opportunities where you know, we have to pass up on deals because it doesn't fit with our culture and, and how we want to live our lives. Yeah, I, I, I think there have been. I mean, there's been opportunities where we've, you know, we could have torn down a building, uh, put up a big multi or, you know, multifamily project or a medical office building, uh, but we would have lost the character of, you know, that particular building. And once you start doing that with several buildings in the area, uh, you know, it just impacts, you know, that the vibe that a particular area may be, uh, you know, trying to accomplish. So I think that it's, it's just, it's really important to, to keep those. It's really important to, to maintain our, our reputation and it helps us get more clients as well. Mm-hmm. So just sticking to your values is really what you're saying has, has helped you to move along is, is just referring to those values whenever, a, whenever a tough decision comes about. It's gotten me this far, so I'm going <laughs> to keep going. Yeah, I mean, can't, can't uh, fault that logic for sure. <laughs> um, so what's a, what's a common myth about commercial real estate? It's, it's such a broad topic, but what's one common myth that, that you've heard and, and how would you respond to that? Well, okay, uh, you know, I was re- recently reading, uh, now this was maybe a month ago or so, where I was, you know, reading uh, some some responses where, you know, there were some tenants and this was maybe more on the residential side than, than our commercial side that we deal with. But, you know, where these, you know, they, they just said that they, they don't want to pay rent and, um, you know, they want to quote unquote stick it to the landlord. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's the, the wrong approach. Um, if that's truly your intent is to stick it to a landlord um, because, you know, they have bills that, that they have to pay. They have principal and interest payments that they're paying, uh, taxes, insurance, utilities, what have you. And, you know, that just kind of struck me the, the wrong way. I get it. If you, if you don't, you know, if you don't have the, the financial means and, and you can work something out with them, but you know, they're not, uh, you know, landlords aren't a bunch of, you know, Ebenezer Scrooges that are out there trying to make it difficult for people. Uh, so, so that was, that was one thing that I, I think that maybe there's you know, people out there that, um, you know, might see landlords uh, differently than others. Right. Uh, there's a perception that uh, came about for some reason. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really know how you address that other than, like you said, if, if you just people are willing to recognize that landlords are, are people too, uh, you know, but you, you can't change everybody's mind, unfortunately. 
Well, and especially the ones that have worked really hard to to get to where they are, and they were just handed, you know, a lot of you know real estate, and you know, are just managing it. So, um, so I think that there is a, a a differentiation, you know, there. And you know, and we worked with our tenants. You know, if if we knew that tenants had an issue um, financially with COVID nineteen, we we worked with them. And you know, I think that that's I, I think that that's something that all landlords uh, should do. And it's, it's effectively a partnership that you have. And sometimes, you know, people may not see it that way. Mm -hmm. So I hear this topic come up quite often is specialization versus generalization. Is the generalist dead? I mean, it kind of sounds like, you know, your story, you you kind of are a generalist in the terms of uh, commercial real estate, as far as you're touching almost every aspect from an investment side. Do you think there's generalized or to specialize? If you were to specialize, would that pigeonhole you, or is that a good tactic for someone to follow that's just getting into real estate? I know real estate's kind of a, a broad topic, but you know, more generally, does it make sense to try to specialize or more so generalize? Yeah, I, I think it depends on, you know, what you really want to do. You know, I have this conversation with several of the, uh, you know, guys that I mentor and, you know, it, obviously, you know, if you have a large company, you know, there's, there's salaries and, and benefits and, um, you know, you may have a better training program uh, that comes with that. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, that specialization works for, for some people. Uh, for, for me with, with what I'm doing, yeah, I may be more generalized. I've got, you know, a lot of hats that I'm wearing, but, but with that, you know, there's, there's more opportunities and upside, you know, that, that I have. And, you know, I think it just works differently for, for different people and, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, that's, those are the conversations that I have with, uh, with them and, and, you know, learning a specialty you know, is, pro- is probably a good thing as you get started out, you've got more safety and, you know, there's less risk and then you can take more risk as you get more comfortable and get more experience. That's a good point. Yeah. It really depends on uh, what your goal is. And, uh, you know, if your goal is to, to own a uh, full service commercial real estate firm, then maybe you should look into becoming more of a generalist, uh, uh, so that you can wear all those hats. What does a typical day in the life of Dak Hatfield look like? I know you're you're very involved in a lot of the uh, different organizations there that uh, take place in Fort Worth generally, and then on a on a larger scale. But and I'm sure that takes up quite a bit of your time. But what does your typical day look like as the owner? Yeah, so kind of taking the the, the boards uh, out of the equation and, and the time that I spend on those, uh, you know, I, I would say there's, it, it really depends on the day, right? So I've got, um, I mean, there's days where I'm doing, you know, researching and reviewing leases and editing those. There's, um, you know, after this, I'll probably be working on the part three and the, the part C of the historic tax credit um, uh, application, uh, visiting sites that are under construction, meeting with clients, discussing new deals, running pro formas. But my, you know, my favorite thing is discussing new opportunities. I mean, that's, that's a lot of fun and having those discussions with, 
uh, my team uh, Hatfield Advisors has been, you know, those, those are probably my favorite. Yeah. That's a, that's a small list, right? <laughs> well, it all depends. I mean, some days there's, there's property management meetings and uh, marketing meetings. And so, uh, um, so anyway, but they're, they're all fun. Like, like I said, I enjoy wearing different hats. And so it, uh, it just keeps things pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. You know, you guys have some real cool properties in the area and, and it's cool to see all this kind of go up and utilizing the existing buildings, utilizing the existing character that's inherent in these post-war and some of these pre-war uh, buildings that you have going on. I want to thank you for uh, all your your group's hard work on on these projects because they, they really help to lend to the vibe of, of the near south side. Yeah, thanks. We've, we've enjoyed it. We've loved doing it. Um, you know, we've got some some properties that we've, finished you know recently we did an urban area up in north fort worth we've we've got one over by tcu that we're working on now and so uh so it's it's definitely been been busy and we've uh, we've enjoyed what we're what we're doing even though you know I've, I've been mentioning a lot of these historic renovations you know these ground ups have um have been fun to do as well uh it's just that the the, the passion that i've really discovered has been with these historic uh renovations and and a lot of them have been in the near South side. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so it's been fun to, to see the uh, community uh, really flourish and um, glad to be part of it. Awesome. Well, I know you have a busy schedule, like, <laughs> like you listed off to us earlier, so I won't take any more of your time, but I really appreciate you taking this time to talk to us about this, about your experience and then, you know, some lessons learned and, and kind of moving forward. And I, I wish you and your firm all, all the best. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the uh, invitation. Yeah, definitely.